0: Hi, this is Matt Wallace, lead pastor at Holy Cross Lake Mary, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us, and I pray this message inspires you and helps build your faith. To learn more about Holy Cross, visit hclm.org. Enjoy the message.
1: Hey, welcome everybody. My name is Pastor Chris. It's great to be with you here today as we're going to be talking about Luke uh, chapter 16, 1 through 14. And if you don't mind, sound booth, if you could put up... Uh, there we go. Fantastic. That is quick. That was quicker than, like, my iPad. Good job. All right. Here we go. This is the parable um, of the... Well, the, let's read it and see if you can remember this one. In verse 1, Jesus also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager. And... Charges were brought to him that his man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in your account of your management, for you no longer can be manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm too ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do so that when I am removed, when I'm fired from management, people may receive me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. Take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. Is also faithful in much and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth who will entrust you to true riches and if you have not been faithful in that which is another's who will give you that which is your own no servant can serve two masters For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things and they ridiculed him. Um, And he said to them, you are those who justify yourself before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That's what I thought. All right. Uh, and this is the word of the Lord. Okay. Um, if you are new to Holy Cross, when we um, were doing church through the pandemic, we were trying to make it, I mean, it was kind of a bummer when we were preaching to empty, uh, empty sanctuaries. And so we wanted to make it more interactive, and we've kind of kept this trait going. Um, we have an opening question for you, and here's the opening question that you can respond to you can text your name and your response to 407-842-8884. Is there something tangible, an item that you really want right now? Is there something tangible, an item that you really want right now? Something that, I mean, maybe you just can't even stop thinking about it. And so I'm going to give you some time to respond to that. And I'll tell you my story. A few months ago, uh, I... Well, a couple, a couple of years ago, I, I, I bought a car that had less than 200,000 miles and had working air conditioning. And it had something called Bluetooth, which was amazing. I don't know. Anyway, uh, it was really good. It was really good. And I love this car. It, was, it had about 80,000, 90,000 miles on it. Um, and, and, and so my daughter was getting ready to graduate. We were going to have a party up here. Uh, at the at the church uh, for McKenna and Kylie, and I went to winn Dixie to get some things right before. And I pull into winn Dixie. There's literally nobody in the parking lot. And I pull into winn Dixie. I get the items, and I come out to my car, and there is a box truck piled into my car, like just. And I say, hey, "How did this even happen?" There's like literally no other. How did you? He goes, well, my backup camera wasn't working. I'm like, were your mirrors not working? I, uh, <laughs> forgive me, Lord, that's sarcastic. That's sarcastic. But I was irritated. And so then um, I take the car to the body shop, and they give me like a 2023 uh, Toyota Camry, I think it was. Yeah. And it turns out I really like driving new cars. <laughs> I did not know that about me. I really... Really enjoy it. Yes, Alex, I do. Um, and so I'm driving this car around, and I have the idea well, you know what, babe, Jen, let's go get a, a new car. You know, maybe we can do this at this point in our life. Maybe I don't have to drive a car with no AC. Maybe we can do this. And so I have to turn in the, the camera, and I was spoiled. And, and, and so we get down to the car dealer, and I know the car dealer. Like, I know the manager at the place. He said, hey, we're only getting one or two new cars a week, but there's a new car down here, a Nissan Sentra, come get it. I'm like, oh, awesome, okay. So we go down to the place, and he goes, I'm going to make you a really good deal. You're not going to believe it. I'm like, well, that's scary, okay. So we go and we test drive it, of course we like it, because it's new. And the price tag says $21,000. So I'm working the math in my head. And I'm like, huh, maybe if he does better than that, that, okay. He goes, oh, we're going to do way better than that. Don't worry, Pastor Chris. We're going to do way better than that. So we go in the little room with the finance person, and they say, um, hey, usually we jack the price up, 6000 off the tag. We're only going to charge you $3,000 more than the 21000 <laughs> I said, wait a second. The tag says $21,000. you are going to charge me 24000 He goes, that's right. What a deal. I said, you realize that's like if I went to Winn-Dixie and I grabbed a steak, and it said $7.99 a pound. And then I checked out and they said, it's actually $14.99 a pound. You're getting a good deal. So no, we walked out of the car dealership immediately and I'm still thinking to myself, it would be nice to have a brand new car, but. We might be holding off on that. Pastor Matt, that was a long story to get into the point. Does anybody else have a story out there?
0: Yeah, man, we have a lot of great answers. But, you know, first, and this one came in completely anonymous, no idea who it is, but they said the one thing that they really wanted was a gold medal in a jujitsu tournament yesterday. I just I have no idea who that was or, or why they're bringing it up. But, you know, Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said that, huh? <laughs> Somebody said that completely anonymous. I have no idea who it was. Uh, Chris Otterino, this is actually uh, my second favorite answer, said, I want an official Red Rider carbon action 200 shot mo- range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and that little thing that tells time. You'll um, shoot your eye out, Otterino. That's right. Th- th- someone else said a bathroom shower that doesn't leak. All right, I feel that one. Uh, Someone else wants a golf cart, my wife uh, still says a new laundry room, uh, and then uh, um, a new cell phone, and then Kyle says a fantasy football win this week, that's all he could possibly want, yeah, so.
1: It's not going to happen. All right, (laughs) let's show this picture up on the screen, Uh, we're going to get a little bit more grim here, Uh, here we go. Uh, I I bring this picture up on the screen because I think it has to do with a message this week Uh, the biggest prison in the world. The biggest prison in the world. Most residents in this prison are lifers. And if you don't know what that means, that they've committed a crime so bad that there's no chance of parole, no chance of escape. Uh, People, um, well, well, let me ask you this. Where do you think this this place is? The biggest prison in the world where there are more inmates than any other place on planet Earth. Maybe some of you are thinking Leavenworth, the military prison in Kansas. Maybe some of you are thinking Rikers Island or San Quentin. And those would all be good guesses for sure. But the biggest prison in the world, the most populated prison in the world is spelled W-A-N-T. W-A-N-T. Want. It's want, want, I want. I want bigger, I want newer, I want faster. I want nicer. I want the new iPhone 14 Pro Max. I want newer. And you know what it feels to be like behind these prison walls because each and every one of us at some point in our life have been behind the prison walls of want. And we find ourselves behind the gates, the wires, and the bars. But here's what happens. In our head, we get this idea that just one will do. Just one will do. Just one will get us outside of the prison of want. One new car. One bigger house. One nicer boat. And then what happens? We get that one and it feels pretty good and then the newness wears off and the cycle repeats again and again and again the prison of want many of us have been in it today's parable is the parable of the shrewd manager from Luke chapter 16 and it's really kind of a strange story it's it's kind of confusing But there is so much. Jesus addresses this parable to the Pharisees. He says there's a master on one side, and there is a manager on the other side. And he says this to address people who are in the prison of want. And he says, you folks are prisoners. You're captives. You're lifers. How do we know? Because we check out the context of this parable. Let me dig deeper. In Luke chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus tells us who he's directing this parable of the shrewd miniature for, the Pharisees. These people in the the black hats, the bad guys. The Pharisees get so many bad raps for many good reasons in scripture. But the Pharisees heard what Jesus was saying and they sneered, they snickered, they taunted him. And we know that the Bible uh, tells us time and time again To love people and use money. Love people, use money. Love people, use money. But we get it mixed up sometimes. The truth is, at some point, we get it mixed up. We end up loving money and sometimes using people. We flip it. We love money and we uh, use people. People sometimes become instruments in our life to maximize their economic output. And that happens in marriages, that happens in business, most often in business. There's a part of us, if we're honest, where we really love money. And here's the thing, don't misunderstand me, that we, it says in scripture, we're supposed to work, we're supposed to not be lazy, we're supposed to make money. That's great, make a lot of it. But. And we're happy for you, but the the Bible actually says live a life of making money. But you know as well as I do, if we're completely honest, there is a fine line between making money and loving money. There is a fine line between making money and loving money. And once I start to make that turn to love money, I will break any commandment any commitment to get more money I will do significant damage to my family to my marriage to my health to my children to just get more and this is what happens we become selfish we become selfish to our family we become selfish to our church And uh, we do whatever it takes to live in the prison of want. I have this uncontrollable desire to want. Bigger and better, newer and nicer. And Jesus says, hey folks, that is a recipe for complete disaster in your life. So he tells us this parable about the only way to save our souls... From becoming lovers of money. And what is the key that unlocks the prison door of want? What is the key to understanding how to escape the prison of want? It's this. Quite frankly, it's mercy. Mercy. Mercy is getting love When you don't deserve it. Let me say that again. Mercy is getting love when we don't deserve it. Both the master in this parable and the manager in this parable are full of mercy. If we don't understand that, we will never understand this story that Jesus was telling us. If we don't understand this, we are going to stand behind the prison walls, bars, of want our entire life. So let me ask you this. When was the last time someone showed you mercy? And you can text your answers to Pastor Matt. When was the last time someone showed you mercy? When was the last time you received love that you didn't deserve? 407-842-884. I'm going to tell you a quick story about the last time I received mercy. It was actually yesterday about 8 30 a.m. I'm kind of a, I love smoking and barbecuing, smoking meat, I like getting a brisket, you get this Rob, putting it on the smoker for 24 hours, I'm kind of a snob. I have, I do it with wood, I do it with charcoal, and I have these friends that plug their smokers in and they just sit there and let that, no I won't. So for Christmas, and I was taunting people that had the Traegers and those electric ones, right? And then for Christmas, my brother-in-law threw it back at me and bought me one of those. And I thought, I am never going to, you, wow, this is easy, you know. This is so convenient. You can drive to the store. You don't have, and so my friends were making fun of me. They're like, see, it's easy, isn't it? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So I go to public or I go to Sam's club and I get a brisket the other day and I carve it and it's a prime and I season it and I say I'm gonna put it overnight and so I started at six o'clock at night and the next day I invite the friends that I had taunted over and I wake up the next morning prepared to have a very nice smoked brisket. And my timer, my thing is saying 90 degrees. It's flashing 90 degrees. And I'd run out of wood. I hadn't put enough in it. And right at that moment, my friend, who I've taunted about getting one of these, said, how's your brisket? <laughs> it's not done yet. And I told him what happened, and he said, no problem. You know what? We're going to pull out some ribs. We're going to pull out a chicken. We're going to start smoking it right now. You come over, and you're going to have a great meal. I know how frustrating this man I look at the phone. I'm like, "Who is this?" And I said, "Aren't you going to make fun of me?" He goes, "Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, it's coming. The storm's coming, but not right now." All right, Pastor Matt, and that's mercy.
0: All right, we got a lot of good uh, good answers to this one this morning. Actually, the first one, uh, very close to your heart, I'm sure, Pastor Chris, which is that this person said, "Cancer Bank paid their rent." uh, for them. So, uh, to help them be able to deal with their medical expenses. So that's amazing. Um, one person said for my kids, uh, love, I don't deserve cause they're not a perfect uh, mom. <laughs> this one, I think we all feel this one, a car let me merge on my way to, way to work Friday. <laughs> that is definitely, right that there. is mercy right there. Um, um, uh, Kyle said, I once again forgot to do the project my wife has been asking me to do for three weeks and she was merciful to me. And then, uh, (laughs) yeah, Uh, and then we had actually from this morning too, uh, we had a lot of speeding ticket ones, right? Right. When the cop lets you off uh, with the speeding ticket. And then, of course, some people saying God has been merciful to them, which is absolutely
1: true. Yeah. Yeah, okay, let's break this down real quick. There are three points I want you to get from this parable that talk about mercy, and here they are. First, the master didn't immediately fire the manager. Number one, first, the master didn't, so the master didn't fire the manager. The master realizes that the manager is not properly running his accounts. And so right there, he could have said, You're done. You're gone. Give me the accounts, we'll find somebody else. But the first part of mercy is that the master does not fire the manager at that point. Um, and he doesn't get fired on the spot, and we know that because he says, he goes, um, I'm going to eventually lose my job. So let me go around and try to settle these accounts. So um, he goes and he says to the one person, you owe 800 gallons of oil to my master. Can you do 400? He's like, yeah, that's great. Then he goes to the next person. He goes, you owe 1,000 bushels of wheat. Can you do 800? He's like, yeah, that's great. Yeah. And so he goes around and he does this. That's pretty cool. And that's certainly giving love for somebody who doesn't deserve it. You see, the master showed mercy to the manager. And so then the manager shows mercy to the debtors. The the manager becomes a conduit of mercy because he's shown mercy. It's pretty cool. But you might be thinking to yourself, oh, sure. Sure, that, that's easy for the manager to do. It's not his money. It's the master's money. Sure, that'd be like me going to Matt for Kyle and saying, hey, you owe Kyle $100, but if you give me $10, that's, we'll do that. And Kyle's like, "What are you, he owes me $100. What are you doing? But here's the point. The point is that it's all the master's money. It's all the master's money. Boom. Everything that we have right now is all the master's money. And so the way that we've been shown mercy is hopefully the way that we show mercy to others. God has given us, the master has truly forsaken us of our sins, and we can be a conduit of that mercy and grace to others. I did the math, just so you know, because I was interested. Each of these debtors saved about 500 denarii at the time, which... That would be the equivalent of $100,000 today. So if somebody comes to you and says, hey, can you settle this bill? It's $100,000 less. Yup. Absolutely. And that's great mercy. That is great, great mercy. The master is merciful. The shrewd manager did this, though, so he'd be welcomed into home. Remember, the shrewd manager thought, I'm going to be fired. I'm not going to have an income. I've got people who I've been trying to collect. I mean, I don't know about you, but usually collection agents aren't the most welcome people. And so he goes around and he says, I'm going to cut you a deal. He does that in part because he knows that he's going to need another job and he doesn't want to beg and he can't dig. So he wants to be welcomed into the home. If I go to you and say, hey, you owe $150,000, but just pay $50,000, Kyle's probably going to have me over for ribs sometime. That's the point. So he says, um, Jesus, though, puts a new spin on it. We are merciful so people will welcome us into eternal homes. That's what he says. So not only is he trying to get into real houses, he's trying to get into eternal houses. What does that even mean? It means that heaven can and probably is full of people that when you see them, They are going to be so glad to see you because of your mercy that you've shown, because of your love that you've shown, because of the things you've invested in, his church, his school, the sharing center, cancer bank, other nonprofits. I love this because some of the money that you give to this place, and this isn't about offerings, this is about mercy, but some of the money that you give to this place is actually planting seeds For kids that you have never met. For a kid who, as I said at the beginning of service, just was a walk-on to UCF and kicked a field goal. You never met him. He went to our school. Every time you give, you're planting a seed of faith in a kid that you've never met. Blake, Matt, and I are making bridges over at that school. We're telling people about Jesus And so, with that, I'm going to wrap this up because mercy should be a priority in our life. Jesus continues to break down what mercy means in 1610. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. Isn't that mercy? The master says after the accounts are settled, I'm not only going to commend you, I'm going to trust you with more. The Bible teaches us over and over and over again. How I make money, how I spend money, how I invest money, how I give it, it has a direct impact on the depth of our spiritual life. Let me say that one more time. How I invest money, how I spend money, how I make money has a deep impact on the depth of my spiritual life. Mercy. Man, I hope it becomes a priority in our lives. God's mercy sent Jesus into a feeding trough for us. God's mercy sent the same Jesus to teach parables and heal people for you. God's mercy sent Jesus to the cross to forgive every possible sin in our life, to give compassion for every broken dream, every uncooked brisket. Um, Jesus, money can't do that. Only God's mercy. I think I can finally summarize this parable in nine words. Nine words. These words will break you out of the prison of want. I promise. These nine words The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all my days. I'm free. I'm spiritually alive. And the, word ha- the Bible has a word for that, being spiritually alive, being free. And it's called mercy. Amen. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today about mercy, about how we've been shown great mercy. Lord, allow us to be the kind of people in all facets of our life with our attitude, with our um, talent, with our treasure, to be the kind of people that build other people up, that don't become lovers of money, but become lovers of people. That you would help us to be that light in a world that so desperately is needs it. That a world that's so full of cynicism and 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 criticism. Those aren't the things from you, God. We know that when we're connected with you, we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, forbearance, and mercy. Equip us more. Give us more, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message and would like to learn more or contribute to Holy Cross, please visit hclm.org.